What is up, Ridge Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, episode number 44 with guest Katie Rosar. If there's an altar in Florida, she's probably running or is currently signed up. Most recently, she ran the Long Haul 100 and finished ninth. If you follow her on Instagram, you will know she has some big goals in the future. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners Live. This time with Katie Rosar. We'll be covering her ninth place finish at the Long Haul 100 Miler recently, just in Florida. Her second attempt at this race and the 100 mile distance. We're going to talk all things trail and ultra running in Florida. Recap this race. We're so stoked to have her on. Katie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me here. Of course. As always, I'm Cam. Uh, I'm your sixth man. That's Wesley. Also joining us as the host. Uh, Wesley, also known as the better host. Wesley, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing great tonight, Cam. It's my first show of the year. So guys, I'm going to be a little rusty. Take it easy on me in the comments section. But uh, I'm super excited to dive into our show tonight. Obviously, uh, Cam, you were at the Long Haul 100 and saw Katie and her awesome performance there. But uh, with the updates that you kind of provided, you know, good friend of the show, Harvey Lewis ran the race. Uh, it kind of just felt like I was there in a sense, you know, kind of one of those events where you just kind of uh, from afar, you're just like looking down. So I'm excited to kind of dive into Katie's race and uh, hear everything that she's talked about. But uh, let's start off with our first traditional question. Katie, what are you drinking tonight? I've got a blue moon, light sky, citrus wheat over here. That is, that's awesome. I think that's, <laughs> a, that's a first on the show for sure. I would say definitely the like, first blue moon. Yeah. It's like a seltzer beer type combination going on. Nice and refreshing. Yeah. All right. And what about you, Wesley? What are you drinking? I've got a uh, Jackio Seafoam IPA. So I know I'm out here in Logan, Utah now, but I got to stick to my Athens beers and uh, I'm super excited to have this one. What about you, Cam? All right. And I also have an Ohio beer, this one, a Wolf's Bridge Brewing, a pack IPA. And the, uh, the tasting notes that they give on the side here, it said tropical and pine, which reminded me a lot of long haul. So it felt very <laughs> fitting to, uh, to bring this one out. Very nice. <laughs> All right. And so with that, we're going to really start to dig into the show. Um, like we said, Katie, you finished ninth at long haul, uh, in just a little bit over, 25 hours. Um, so tell us a little bit, what was it like deciding to return to this race after having already done it once? It was a really easy decision for me, honestly. Um, I felt like I had some unfinished business with that race and with that course. And my whole goal going back into it for a second time was not only to improve my time, but to have a more positive experience overall. <laughs> um, Running it the first time in 2020 was like ripping the Band-Aid off with a 100-mile distance, and it went as well as a first 100 would be expected to go, which is, you know, not very well in my case. Um, yeah, so my whole goal signing up the second time was to just improve every little thing, you know, from nutrition to timing to just the overall experience and, you know, leave with a more positive um impression of the course and the race, I guess, as a whole. How did you kind of find trail running? Take us back to your kind of your first run and kind of, uh, kind of how that all transpired. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'll probably have to go back to high school cross country. Um, one of my friends, I think it was around junior year, her dad was actually the, um, the track coach. And one summer 
he convinced me to come out to a cross country workout. Um, and I wasn't really a runner. I was always a softball player in high school. And, you know, as I was younger, um, the first practice I went out to was like the pinnacle of their training that summer, which we called it a beach and back run. It's a 10 mile run from the high school to the beach and back. And I had never run that far before. And like, I had no idea, you know, what the cross country team was all about. And this was my first impression. So it was kind of, you know, a shock to me. But after that, um, I got pretty hooked. I got on the cross country team. I started, um, I was JV, but I loved it. Like I was always a solid mid pack kind of runner, really enjoyed it. Um, so that was the first trail run, I guess that I did. Um, when I went to college, I, um, ended up as a walk-on for the USF cross country team, which was pretty exciting. Um, So I did that for a while. Um, I stopped running after college um, and picked it up, picked it back up after um, probably a few years out. Um, The first trail race I did was a 10 mile trail race called the Claw. Um, And that really got me hooked on uh, competitive, I guess, well, competitive trail running in the area. That was my very long story, (laughs) roundabout way of explaining how I got here. Yeah, of course. Um, Quick follow-up question. When you say that you kind of went away a little bit from running after college, were you experiencing like any burnout or anything after um, graduating from USF? I know that's pretty common, especially amongst uh, women who run collegiately. No, not at all. It was the opposite, actually. I really like dived into my work and, you know, I was, that was my focus at the time and exercise and everything else kind of got put to the side. So I was more focused on having career success and, you know, focusing on doing the best I could in that aspect and running and everything else got put on the back burner. So no burnout from running or sports at all. It was more, what ended up happening eventually was burnout Mm -hmm. from work. And that's when I, you know, turned back to running as the outlet to, you know, up with anxiety and stress and all those things. Yeah, of course, definitely a, a very relatable sort of um, outcome there, you know, like turning to this like blow off the steam, you know, and yeah. you said your very first trail race was a 10 miler called the claw and looking at your ultra sign up, you know, your transition to that 100 mile distance was actually relatively quick. I think you did one 50 miler, one six hour and two fifty Ks leading into that. And you said earlier, you know, well, with doing the 100 mile or distance, you just wanted to rip the bandaid off. Going into your first <laughs> long haul 1100, uh, how prepared did you feel for it? Not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. I did not train enough. I did not, I was not prepared. You know, in my mind, I think I thought that I was, but after the race, I knew that, you know, going back the second time, that was something that I really needed to work on and, you know, prepare a little bit more. Like I look back on how much I was running the months leading up to the first long haul and it was not nearly what it needed to be, but you know, you take the lessons and you learn from them and do a little better next time. Yeah, of course. Definitely remember feeling that way after like my very first 50 K, you know, just being like, Oh, I was, I was not actually ready for this, you know? Oh yeah. No. Um, And Speaking of first 50K, the first Mm -hmm. 50K that I ran was a road race, and I signed up for that one 
without having run a marathon or any race longer than a half. And I felt the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. wildly unprepared. And you don't really realize that until, you know, you're done with it. Yeah. Do you think that's, oh, I'm going to, sorry, Cam, I'm going to AJ hockey real quick and yell at me me later. But uh, I just have a quick question. How did you think that helps, like, uh, helps you prepare for more future races kind of going into it? So obviously like jumping into your first 50 K, maybe be a little unprepared, jumping into your first hundred mile, a little unprepared. How do you think those lessons actually prepare you more in the future than maybe like being super dialed in for that first experience? I learn more from mistakes than knowing every single little thing that's going to lead to success, if that makes sense. Um, Cause you know, as a runner now I'm not coached and my coaching has been, you know, the ultra running community around me and different articles that I read and podcasts and books and all these things and my own mistakes. That's the biggest teacher that I've had. And the biggest coach that I've had is, you know, trying something, if it doesn't work, something needs to change. So in some cases, you know, let's go try to run a hundred miler without training that much. That doesn't work. That needs to change, you know? So. Yeah, no, that's great. Kim, what did you have? Yeah. I do also want to clarify with you saying you AJ hawked me. I don't know if anybody listening or Katie actually understands what that means. Um, <laughs> it's just a reference to the Pat McAfee show, which we're both fans of. Um, but uh, to kind of follow up Katie, because of COVID, there really were very limited racing opportunities. You know, if you wanted to get out and get more experience just at the ultra distance, you know, whether it's 50K, 50 miler, 24 hour, something like that, you didn't really have that opportunity. Um, but what was like the biggest then change in your training between long haul 100 first attempt and this year's race? Way more consistency. So I focused a lot more on just being consistent and, you know, having better base weekly mileage. And I think for the first half of 2020, I was really good about that. And I had, you know, two to 300 mile months and was pretty happy about that mileage. I did get injured, you know, halfway through the year and that kind of put a damper on it. But um, the main focus was just cranking out the base mileage and, you know, building bricks. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's, that's kind of the fine line to walk is like more miles is always better until the moment that it's not. Yeah. And then more miles is terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely have my own learning experience with that um, last summer as well. Um, but so going into this second, um, well, actually let's back up a little bit going into your first attempt at the long haul 100, where were you at as far as goals? You know, did you have a time goal? Did you have a place goal or were you just like, I'm just going to finish. Like, I just want to do the hundred miler. So that, that's actually really funny because I'm very number driven. And I think a lot of runners are, you know, everything is based off time and mileage and, you know, we're always surrounded by all these numbers. So in my mind and never having run that far before, what made sense to me was crunching numbers that I thought were attainable. So I calculated all my pacing and everything that I thought I'd be able to do. And I had a time goal. I had like specific time goals for each loop. And it's easier to set goals like that for long haul because of the format. Um, so I had all the, I made a spreadsheet and, you know, super planned out. And I thought, you know, this is easy. Like this is going to be no problem. And my goal for that first race was to finish it in like 20 hours. 
And I realize now how, you know, ludicrous that goal was for me personally and at that level of my training. Um, so that was a really big wake up call. Um, yeah, going into that first one, that was the goal. I had like, you know, a list of A, B, C, D goals. You know, the first was, you know, 20 hours, 24 hours, getting under that Western States cutoff time and then just finishing, you know. Yeah, totally. And especially with a race like long haul, a lot of people look at it and they um, your immediate response is like, I can run so fast at this race because you see crew all the time. You're never very far from aid. It's very flat. There's only one small section of the course that's very technical, um, having run on it myself. And I will also say I had to like talk Max, um, who we were there crewing down a little bit from his 20 hour goal originally going into it. Um, and I know yeah. speaking of grand goals, you know, uh, maybe not know what you're in for Wesley's promised to finish top five at room to river 100. Um, oh, we yeah? all know the ridiculous goal that I've mentioned before. Oh yeah. That's we're, we're going to get there. That's some big news, but I'm super excited for that. But uh, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, Katie, I want to mm-hmm. start off now dying, kind of diving into your deep dive for the long haul this this year, kind of just take us through the beginning part of the race and kind of like, how things transpired on race day for you. Yeah. So at the beginning of the race just felt completely smooth and comfortable. I would say miles, at least one to 50. Um, and I, I think a lot of that was due to the lessons that I learned from the previous year. So this year I mixed in, you know, very easy pacing, easy running with bits of walking, which was really weird for me because for the most part, I don't mix in walking with my running at all. So that really helped though. Um, and the first half of the race, I was eating plenty, drinking a lot, you know, my electrolytes were fine and I was feeling completely fine and comfortable. And it was wild. I think by mile 50, I, I would reached mile 50 around like nine and a half hours. And I thought that I had that sub 24 in the bag, you know, it was feeling great. Um, but after that halfway point is when things started taking a turn. Um, that's when it started getting a little bit harder. And it was after the sun went down really that it, you know, took that, that negative spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and being out there on the course all day, we saw that, that same kind of thing happen to an extent um, with everybody, you know, even with Max to an extent. And, you know, just the amount of times that you saw, people and just like the subtle change of like, Ooh, they came back from that section and like things don't seem as chill as they were before. You know, Um, was there a specific like moment on the course when you knew like something's going wrong? And if so, what do what were you immediately thinking? Like, well, here's what I need to do to kind of fix this and kind of recover. So I feel like there were two moments really the first kind of tipped me off and then the other was like, okay, something is really wrong. And you know, this is going to be a grind to get to the finish. And the first was I had planned out to take like a 20 minute nap. Cause I learned that from the previous year again, that, you know, after the sun goes down, I reach a limit and I gotta, you know, take some good rest. So it was during that nap that, you know, laying down was probably a mistake because all the, you feel all the pain and all the, things that you were probably ignoring for most of the day, they all, you know, amplify. And after I laid down, sleep didn't happen because, you know, everything was hurting. Um, 
but after I got up from that nap and we started out on that second spurt, I don't even know what mile it was, but I had trekking poles at that point. It was after we, I picked up a pacer. We were out on the long spur too in the middle of the woods. There was nobody around and out of nowhere, like I could not keep my eyes open for the life of me. And I remember just bending over and putting like resting my forehead on my trekking poles. And like, I could not move (laughs) because I thought I was going to fall over on the trail and pass out. (laughs) And my pacer, Christina, um, it was funny because we were having a conversation heading out on that spur and she was walking in front of me and she turns around and I'm just like sitting there with my trekking poles, not being able to move. And it was like, you know, such a quick change. So that was the moment that I knew it was going to be pretty tough grind. Max Cavazzi is in the chat and uh, he has a question for you. He said, what is it like to wake up from a nap and having to get back on your feet? So what was those first like half mile like per se? And he said that it seems like it would make it extremely hard. Uh, but he's curious to hear your thoughts. Oh yeah, it was definitely hard. <laughs> I feel like your feet hurt so much more when you stop and then get going again. And that was the hardest part because I noticed this, especially after the race, but it was probably at that point too, my feet swelled so much and I was retaining so much fluid, like throughout my calves and my feet that everything was so uncomfortable and just dealing with that pain. I think that was the hardest part. It wasn't even like leg or muscle cramping. It was the foot pain. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely difficult to get up from that nap and go out in the woods in the dark (laughs) and keep going for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so at this, at this kind of moment, right, you know, forehead on your trekking poles, like feet swollen, super hurting. um, How, where were you at mentally in deciding to keep going instead of just being like, I can go lay back down, you know? like right now, or like, even like right now, you're like, I can lay down in the grass right here. You know, like, what was your thought process like in that moment where you like kind of stood back up and kept going? The craziest thing was that my mind and, you know, I wanted to keep going. It was just, my body Mm -hmm. wouldn't let me. So it wasn't even a, a negative mental space. It was the fact that physically there was just something that wouldn't let me goes like that central fatigue that you know your body's in like this emergency mode where it's you know sending signals like no we need to we need to take a break you need to rest you should not be moving anymore but like mentally I wanted to keep going and I think that's what finally well that and like I think Christina handed me a handful of potato chips at the time or an applesauce or something and that helped too um but yeah mentally I was never in a bad uh, negative mental space. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of with, you know, how this year went for sure. Mm -hmm. Very low stakes question here, but um, do you remember the kind of potato chips that they were? Oh yeah. Wavy Lay's potato chips. Okay. And I, I bring this up because Max I don't remember if it was intentionally or by accident, but at one point during the race, we had three different bags of dill pickle chips for him to choose from (laughs) as his crew. Nice. (laughs) And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on flavor choices. Dill pickle are definitely Mm -hmm. solid. I also Mm -hmm. like the, the lime flavored lays. Those are, Mm -hmm. those are a good choice. Those are probably my top three, actually. Salt and vinegar also. I guess I have a top four. 
Yeah. Everyone probably knows at this point Cam's uh, awful potato story chip from the Mohican 100 when he was facing with the salt and vinegar. I think we've all heard it a thousand times at this point. But uh, Katie, what was it like coming coming out of that dark moment? Obviously, your mental headspace, you were locked in the entire time. But kind of like when you're on the rebound, what's it like kind of like, okay, let's regroup here. Uh, let's actually, we can still finish this thing. With super awesome time. What was that moment like for you? I think it was just the thought that, you know, I went in with the thought that not finishing wasn't an option. You know, I did it once. I can do it again, no matter what happens. Like, I know I can cross that finish line. It's happened before, you know. Um, but crawling out of that just super fatigue state, I don't even know. I feel like <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about it, if that makes any sense. It was like an out-of-body experience where you kind of turn your brain off to everything that's happening to you and just put one foot in front of the other, you know, I think having a pacer definitely helped and, you know, having people around you absolutely helps just having someone's presence that, you know, is pushing you and telling you that, you know, you can do this and, you know, we're almost at the end of this spur. We're almost at the end of this loop. Like you only have 20 miles left and those things definitely help as well. Mm -hmm. That, that makes total sense. Was there anything you think you did physically after that nap? Um, as far as like eating, drinking, you know, did you like stop and stretch a little bit that helped bring you back kind of to catch up to where your mental headspace was, or was it just a matter of just like one foot in front of the other? until so you kind of came back into your body. So Jess, who was, um, a really good friend of mine and she was helping crew, shoved this container of instant mashed potatoes in my face after I got up from the nap and I didn't even want them, but she, you know, was like, eat these right now. And I did, and they were delicious. And I think that <laughs> like, that was number one, that really helped. And then also some instant coffee that really helped as well. Some, you know, nice hot coffee. Cause it got pretty cold at night for me. I don't know about mm -hmm. you guys. I know you're used to some pretty cold temperatures, but you know, <laughs> I had the puffy jacket on and some sweatpants and it was pretty chilly at that point. No, it was definitely like way colder <laughs> than I, uh, I was promised that Florida would be. You yeah. know? Like, <laughs> this trip was pitched to me. It's like, Oh, it's a vacation, you know? Right. And it's like, I'm in the woods and it's dark and it's cold. And it's just like, what am I doing yeah. here? Like, isn't it supposed to be warm in Florida? Well, you know, the wild thing about long haul is that the weather is so crazy different every year so mm -hmm. last year it was hot during the day like I was using ice bandanas and I got sunburned and like it was hot during the day and it got a little chilly at night but not that bad and this year I feel like complete opposite in Florida terms you know <laughs> yeah for sure it was definitely never to the point like during the day where as I saw several other people on the course, I was like in danger of like wanting to take my shirt off, you know, which like every dude I saw on the course who was <laughs> like that, I was just like, man, like, what is, like, what is going on? Like, it is not that warm. <laughs> I know it was so weird. And the, the heat was kind of deceiving too. Cause we'd get in um, some of the spots on the course where there's more sun exposure, you feel that heat. But as soon as you got in the shadows and, you know, in the shade, it was cold again. So it was kind of hard to, judge the heat on that day.
Kim, we all saw the photos of you just lounging out in the sun, uh, you know, just hanging out. So no, no worries there. Uh, I want to talk about the last 20 miles of the race, Katie. Kind of walk us through what it was like during to getting from like mile 80 to the finish, because obviously during 100 miles, that's always the hardest part. So uh, I just want to love to hear your thoughts. What I remember, other than just pure pain, <laughs> um, honestly, the pain didn't hit until after the finish, but those last 20 miles, it was really just a grind. You know, I was still, I wasn't eating as much and as well as I was the first half of the race, but food was still going down well. And I was still hydrated and everything. Um, and you know, those last 20 miles were really when it hit me that I wasn't going to make the time goal that I had for myself. Um, but at the end of the day, I knew that I would still do better than I had the previous year. So that in and of itself, really drove me to still go as fast as I could, which relatively speaking, wasn't very fast. You know, I had a nice little ultra shuffle going and some power hiking going, but, um, and honestly, I don't know. I feel like the last 20 miles are almost the easiest because you know, you're almost done and you know, it's, you know, within sight. So yeah, that's about it really. I mean, <laughs> For the most, to get through longer races like this, and especially long haul, I tend to really turn my brain off to everything, especially a course with a very monotonous route with how this one's structured. So those last 20 miles was really just about grinding it out and finishing it up. Mm -hmm. And definitely with, uh, with the route, I know pacing for Max, it was my first time actually seeing any of the course um, when he was on his eighth lap of it. So when I got out there and I was like, oh, Florida's actually kind of pretty. This almost looks like Jurassic Park. He was just kind of like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he did not want anything to do with me being like, oh, is Florida cool? Um, but Oh, yeah. I got to ask though, which spur was his, was his favorite? Did he have a favorite or a least favorite? Um, I, it, I think I remember him mentioning that his favorite was the first one and that was because it was the easiest yeah. and that's because I switched to a different strategy for the last uh, lap because I was just like, oh, aren't you so glad that you don't ever have to do this spur again? And he was like, <laughs> no, this is the easiest one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, think so with you finish. <laughs> no, that the last spur, the Armadillo Alley, that one. I have some, mm -hmm. some bitter memories of, of that one. <laughs> the same route is always, always gets me. I always trip over it. Same exact route, mm -hmm. same spot. I never learned my lesson. Always fall, no matter what. I go on training runs out there sometimes, which is, you know, odd because you would think that I would avoid that place at all costs having run the race there. But I, I train out there sometimes and I, I still always fall on that, on that little, little leg. Max did confirm in the chat that it was for one is his favorite. Uh, yeah. Eric Anderson has two, uh, two questions here. The first one is he's not run a uh, flatter long race like this. How did you plan to walk slash hike the brakes? And his second question is, do you think that if you would have paced the first 50 slower, do you think you would have had a stronger finish in the end? So I'm going to answer the second part first. And I don't think that I'm physically capable of going any slower than I tried making myself going um this go around because I, I tried so hard because that was my downfall the first time 
because the hardest part about a flat, fast course is that you naturally just want to let yourself go and, you know, go fast. And as a mid pack runner and, you know, someone that isn't out there running, you know, Harvey Lewis speeds, I can't, you know, take that kind of technique. So I think planning out some run walk breaks for me, um, my whole strategy going into it this year, I ran the whole first loop. So I ran the whole first 10 miles just to kind of get that out of the way and like let myself enjoy the course and enjoy it and not really think about anything. The second loop, I mixed in a 15 minute walk break every, I think I would run a couple miles or something like that. And then force myself to walk a mile, which ended up being about 15 minutes. And that worked for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's definitely hard. I think the hardest part about running a flat course is, you know, slowing down and realizing that you still got a hundred miles ahead of you. And then it's going to be a long day, <laughs> even if the course isn't technical and hilly and, you know, you don't have those natural breaks to force yourself to walk like hills and things like that. Um, it's definitely a challenge to slow down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's, um, pretty much a universal struggle, uh, in moments yeah. when you feel like you can run, you really do, you want to run, right. Because that's kind of what you'd like to do. Um, yeah. but so I do want to turn the question that you asked, um, us around on you and ask if you had a favorite spur out on the course first. Yeah. Last year, my favorite was spur one, but this year I really enjoyed, um, the hall of pines. So that second spur, that longer one, Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's so pretty, especially, you know, depending on the time of day, I think that really kind of that spur encapsulates what a lot of Florida trail running looks like in a way. Um, and I, I just think it's a really beautiful spur and it's like easier to let your mind get lost in how beautiful everything is around you instead of focusing on, you know, my legs are hurting right now and everything sucks and it's hot and, you know if you're at a low point in the race or something like that. So definitely spur two. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I will say that one was even great only by like headlamp light. Um, definitely maybe going to have to get down there to see it in the daylight sometime. Although no promises on ever doing long haul 100 myself. <laughs> um, and then, so if folks haven't figured out, there were three spurs on the course this year, the very first one, I don't remember if it had a name, but number two had the hall of pines. And then number three was armadillo alley. I also want to ask Katie, did you see any armadillos out on course? I think I actually did. Funny enough, not an armadillo alley though. I think it was in the hall of pines or maybe the first one, but I, I did see an armadillo when I laughed. I remember like laughing out loud to myself and people passing by probably thought I was like, you know, losing my mind, but like, ha ha <laughs> armadillo. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did see one. I think I saw a deer as well mm. earlier in the morning. So I just looked up what an armadillo was because I didn't what? know what that animal was you know, <laughs> off the top of my head. I just wanted to get like a picture of this thing. And this thing, if you don't know what an armadillo is, you gotta check this out. Because if you, I mean, if I saw this, you know, mile 80, I think I'd lose my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. Not I'm, the I'm prettiest kind of... creature. <laughs> For, for those of you who don't know what an armadillo is, which I'm assuming is very <laughs> few of you, it's kind of like if you crossed a turtle and a possum. Yeah. Wesley, how would you say I'm doing on that description? That seems right on, right on. 
<laughs> Seems just, about right. <laughs> I yeah. I truly cannot believe you didn't know what an armadillo was. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had an idea, but like, you just, I just wanted to get like an actual description of you know what what the animal was like. So, uh, uh, no armadillos oh, out in Utah. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea. I haven't looked up. No. You know, life is out here. It's kind of avoiding that Google search. Probably yeah. for the better right now. <laughs> All right. And one last wildlife question um, <laughs> as we kind of transition a little more towards ultra running in Florida in general. Um, I was promised that there would be alligator sightings <laughs> all the time. Um, and I think maybe Max yeah. knew that I was just like the biggest Steve Irwin fan as a child. And I would jump at anything to see an alligator in person. So Katie, A, have you ever seen an alligator on the long haul course or just in general on a trail run? Because I did not see a single one during my whole trip. So yes, on the long haul course, but only as a hallucination. <laughs> I think at like three o'clock in the morning, I was losing it a little bit. And I think he was like, playing basketball or something. So that was quite the interesting experience. Um, on other trail runs at, you know, other places in Florida that are run, um, I've seen a handful. They're pretty chill though. They, they mind their business um, as long as you don't go bother them. <laughs> pretty small. I haven't seen a really big one. I've seen, you know, some small, small little guys. So for those of you wondering, I did not have to Google what an alligator was. <laughs> I did have that animal description uh, down. Uh, Samuel Hartman is in the chat and he wants to know, uh, what was your gear that you kind of rocked and uh, wore out all day? Yeah, so for shoes, um, I always, I love Hoka's. I love the brand in general. Those are my road shoes. Um, but for long haul, I did the Hoka Speed Goat. Um, I really love those shoes. I have no problem with them at all. Um, so I did those. Um, I ran in a hydration belt. So it was an ultimate direction. I think the utility belt, um, that worked really well. Um, handheld water bottle. The nice thing about long haul is that you don't need a hydration vest. If you don't want to wear one, you really don't need to carry anything at all. If you don't want to, because their aid is so frequent. Um, I don't, I don't know. What other, I had a hat on, I had some sunglasses on, some gooder sunglasses. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. I don't know any other, any specific gear. I mean, I used some trekking poles um, later on. Those, those helped a lot, for sure. Yeah. Samuel can always uh, follow up if he needs to. Um, I will just also say gear choices were clearly on point because as we noticed you leapfrogging with Max and a little bit of the impetus for this show for people who don't know is that uh, my girlfriend saw Katie and was just like, don't you just love her vibe? Like her whole aesthetic <laughs> is like so on point. <laughs> I try to stay cool, calm and collected most of the time. <laughs> That's the goal at least, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> After midway, I can't promise anything. I don't, you know, after it gets a little rough. I know, I definitely know that towards the end and especially that last loop, that was, you know, tunnel vision, not saying hello to anybody on the trail. I felt really guilty about that afterwards because people would like, I know that people waved at me and, you know, I like the format because you pass people a lot and you can say, oh, good job. And I love that vibe. But on that last spur, I did not return anybody's greetings. And I was so like, just focused. And I felt so guilty about that afterwards, because that's not how I run, you know, in training or in races. So, yeah. 
sometimes it's tough, you know, when you're just in that dark spot, like it's just, yeah. you know, even just saying like, hello to someone is just, you know, challenging or it, it it's too much be. work, too much effort. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't do it right now. <laughs> I just, yeah. if, if it comes to me, I just like, don't make eye contact. I'll just look yeah, down. Just right here. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. One final, like long haul, 100 question that I had at least is, uh, will you ever come back, you know, for a third time maybe and go sub 24? I think this is uh, something I could, could possibly see in the future we'll still uh see yeah that's that's a funny question too um <laughs> right after the race I told Lauren my fiance that you know I feel like everything went exactly to plan and I don't know if you know I can do any better than I did this time so right after the race I told her this is it you know we don't have to come back here we'll do a, a different hundred you know but I think I'm done with long haul but you know <laughs> a week later two weeks later I want that green buckle. I want that sub 24 buckle. So it, it'll, it'll happen again. I don't know about next year, maybe next year, but um, I'll definitely revisit and shoot for that, that sub 24 for sure. That's, that's really great to hear. Um, got some questions though about trail running in Florida in general. Um, obviously our audience is a little Ohio and then specifically like central <laughs> Appalachia centric. Um, but what would you say about like the trail community in like that St. Petersburg, Tampa area where you live? Yeah. So I feel like, and I feel like this is true for Florida trail running in general, that at first glance, you wouldn't think that it exists down here. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if you guys have that, had that preconception at all, but I feel like some people do. And you know, once you find it, it's amazing. Like we have a really great community of trail runners and race directors and volunteers that are always at the races. Like when I really started getting involved in the trail community here and going to more races, I would see familiar faces. And, you know, I think that, um, the people that have been doing this for a long time, including, um, Andy and Amy, the race directors of long haul, they've really helped build a really strong and friendly and welcoming uh, trail running community in this area. Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely kind of seemed that way. The vibe was like really great in the camp area. It was definitely a little more tuned towards that like festival hundred where everybody's yeah. hanging out. Although not quite so much just because everybody made sure to give each other their space, you know, oh, although yeah. there was definitely like some Grateful Dead and uh, some other music like that playing at several points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so one thing we noticed in researching for the show, Katie, was that you've never done a race outside of Florida. Um, have you ever wanted to race outside of Florida or do you have any desire to in the future? Yeah. So 2020 was supposed to be the year that that had happened. Um, I was all signed up and ready to go for um, the Run Rabbit Run 50 miler in Colorado. And I was super stoked for that. Um, I had gotten one of those altitude masks that, you know, simulates running at higher altitude. I don't know how well that would have worked, but you know, I was using that and I was getting like all ready to go for that race, but then, you know, COVID happened and my entry got deferred. So hopefully I'll be running that one in 2022. Um, hopefully a little bit more prepared too, and maybe have a better outcome than I would have last year. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking at doing more races, seeing if my legs can handle some mountain races and getting out into some other terrain and environments for sure. All right. And so for those uh, ultra runners in our audience who, you know, 
they're outside of Florida. They've never once thought about running a race in Florida or going to Florida for any reason. You know, um, what would you say to them on why they should come down to Florida for a race and to see the trails, you know, other than just kind of like the weather? I think there are some hidden gems down here. And I think that um, it gets overlooked. Um, I think that anybody that runs an ultra, part of the reason that you do it is to, you know, be out in nature and that you just love being outside and being in that environment. And I think that there's something to be said about the beauty that is within Florida trails and in, you know, Florida, Floridian nature and like that old Florida vibe. Um, and like you said um, earlier about saying it looks like Jurassic Park sometimes, you know, it's not all mm-hmm. swampy and it's not all, you know, I think people have this, maybe some preconceptions about what trail running in Florida would be like, but I encourage anybody that hasn't run down here to come give it a shot. Cause I think that people would be pleasantly surprised. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of beauty to be found in it. Definitely. And the weather doesn't hurt also. The weather is I don't know if I, would, I don't know if I would recommend it in like mid July, maybe, maybe hold off. <laughs> Come like around now. Now is a beautiful time to go trail running down here. Yeah. Yeah. No, the weather is obviously like the number one reason I think to just at least make the trip down and uh, see yeah. what it's all about. Um, okay. Our our intern Nick Voss is actually signed up for the Run Rabbit Run 100 uh, this fall. He thought he was going to do what you did 2022, but uh, he didn't know how to do that correctly. So he's in for this yeah. year. <laughs> Best of luck to him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah. yeah, no. Max Gavazzi said uh, sign up for an Ohio race. You know, Ohio's got a bunch of awesome races, and uh, if you need help uh, finding the right one, I mean. I'm sure oh, for can. sure. I would be definitely down for some recommendations. Absolutely. Cause you know, I know absolutely nothing about Ohio running, so <laughs> I yeah, would definitely mm-hmm. be up for it. For sure. I think, I think there's a lot of different kinds of races as well. I mean, obviously the whole East coast, I mean, you can go anywhere, a couple yeah. States up and get anything you want. But, um, uh, Andrea Johnson said Virginia as well, but Ohio's kind of got, you know, fl- fast and flat, you know, a little hilly, you can, you can do all kinds of tons of vert, even in Southern Ohio. So, uh, you can find that would definitely be a foreign experience for me. So I'd be super down for that. We don't get a lot of vert Mm -hmm. down here. Yeah. Yeah. My initial thought is just to say Shawnee 50, but that might be a lot. Just do it. Tons of vert. Mm -hmm. The hills are only 300 300 feet of vert. You know, it's not like in Virginia where you have to climb 2000 feet. So, I mean, even if like it's a little different, it's up and down the whole time, but it's not like super crazy. So Cam, that's a great recommendation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you do have two more um, upcoming Florida races in February, the Whispering Pine six hour in Inverness, mm-hmm. Florida, and then the Swamp 100K um, on the 27th, which, no, that's not the last day of February. Um, <laughs> but what are you thinking about both of those so close to um, this huge effort at long haul? You know, the craziest thing about this year's long haul is how quickly I've bounced back. So Last year's long haul, I didn't even want to think about running for, you know, a couple months afterwards. And my body was complete toast. Um, and I was super burnt out with running. I was in a really weird headspace. No, not negative, but like, I just wanted nothing to do with running. But this year, a week after, as soon as, you know, my, my body kind of like returned to equilibrium, I was ready to go. Like I started back training a week later and everything feels, you know, great. Um, but those races, um, 
the six hour race is going to be my first trail six hours. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I haven't run on the the trails that it's held at. Um, so I'm ex also excited to see, you know, another trail in the area. Um, but that race is really meant as a training run for the Swamp 100K. That's a couple weeks later. Um, and that one's supposed to be um, pretty tough and technical trails as for as far as uh, Florida goes. So that'll be an interesting challenge. Um, that one's kind of formatted like an invitational. So I think there's only maybe around 10 people doing the 100K distance. So that'll be interesting too, knowing that it's pretty pretty slim slim field out there. More excited to see you go win that one uh, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, kind of going off that, did, did you, for the long haul, I mean, did you sign up for those two races before long haul or did you kind of just after you finished long haul be like, okay, I'm recovered. I feel good. I just want to hop in two more uh, in February. The Swamp 100K, I did sign up uh, before I finished long haul. So that was already on the schedule because I just kind of had in my mind, okay, like, I, I think that'll be enough time to kind of bounce back. And, you know, I don't ever go out to run races to win them. So it's not like, you know, I'm trying to recover as well as possible to go, you know, set a speed record or a course record or something like that. It's just to, you know, enjoy the trail and, you know, have a good day out there. Um, so I wasn't worried about, you know, having enough training and like going through a whole new training cycle to be ready for it. Um, so I was signed up for the Swamp 100K. Um, the Whispering Pines six hour was kind of a last minute type thing. I saw some people that I knew um, were doing it already, doing the 12 hour. So there's a six and a 12. I saw some other people were doing it and I had FOMO. So I went ahead and registered. <laughs> That's always yeah. the best way. I mean, if you just yeah. ever feel like, hey, I just got to get in this race, you know, all the friends are doing it. I think yeah. uh, a lot of people can relate to that. Um, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you don't really uh, set goals like, hey, I'm going to go win this race. But you do, on people that follow your Instagram, you do set like awesome goals like, hey, as like a mid-packer, like, hey, I want to go out and finish finish a race in this time goal. And I think that takes a lot of courage. A lot of people can look up to that because uh, not a lot of people do that. I think, you know, especially as a mid-packer, the back of the packer, it's hard for some people to be like, hey, this is exactly the time I want to go because you can be nervous, a little inexperienced or whatnot. So I guess like, how did you kind of find comfort in that? And then how do you kind of uh, use that to like your, your advantage in races? Yeah, so I've always been like, super all about being transparent about my training and, you know, things that I do products that I use and things that work for me and things that don't work for me, because that's how I learned. And that's how I got into trail racing. So, and being a mid packer and setting time goals like that, I feel like it's super important that people know that you don't need to be some elite racer, or be some, you know, top tier runner to set goals like that for yourself you know, you can still challenge yourself and push yourself as far as you want to. And as far as you think to, you know, find what your limits are. And it's perfectly okay to do that. You know, even if you're not going to win the race, because I feel like running is both personal and, you know, it's a group thing. It's, it's highly personal and that you can set these goals for yourself and, you know, push as far as your body will allow you to and see what those limits are. But that's like juxtaposed against, you know, this awesome community of people that are also, you know, pushing you at the same time. And, you know, 
working towards that same goal as well. Um, but yeah, I think that it's important that, you know, everyone sets goals for themselves and continues pushing and seeking out um, what their limits are. Yeah, that sounds great. <clears throat> and uh, keeping that in mind, you've posted a few things, you know, about like your training and what you're doing to like get ready for these races. But as I learned down at the race, speaking from uh, speaking with some other folks, excuse me, is that ultra running in South Florida has like a very particular kind of character in how you train, especially for races outside of Florida. Um, so do you want to talk about that for a second? In what way? <laughs> yes, that's fair. That wasn't really much of a question. Um, but yeah, so just like the unique challenges of uh, trying to replicate terrain um, in other places in South Florida. One example is that's always given is people are running like highway overpasses oh, to yeah. get all of their oh, hill yeah. training in. Yeah, there is no vert in Florida. You really have to hunt it down and find it and, you know, work with what you've got. So I live um, near the Pinellas Trail, which is a very long uh, paved trail for um, bikers and runners. Um, and there are a lot of little like overpass bridges and that that is my vert. That is where, you know, I'll go run those overpass bridges a million times to get any semblance of what hills are. <laughs> um, near me, uh, you know, I'll run stairs and do things like that. Um, there are some trails that are kind of close to the area that, you know, we do have some Hills, but you have to really put in the work and like run them over and over and over again to get, you know, a good amount of elevation gain <laughs> in Florida, you know, Florida speaking, cause it's pretty flat <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I also remember from the long haul, just these very short patches of just like sand, just like randomly <laughs> out in the woods. And I'm just like, why is there sand here? You know, and then like running through that and having almost the same sensation of like running through fresh snow, which was quite the deja vu having just gotten <laughs> there from Ohio. Yeah, sugar sand, you know, you hate it's, it's good and it's bad. It's great for training because it, you know, it, it crushes your legs and really makes you work for it. But then at the same time, if you're racing in it, it's, it is not easy. Um, you know, as I'm sure you, I mean, I have no idea what it's like to run through snow because that's something that I've never experienced, but if it's anything like running through that soft sand, it's, it's a, it's a quad crusher, you know, not easy, not, not very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as fresh snow, it depends on the depth, but like, if you get like a good three or four inches, like the stuff you kind of have to plow through, it's very fun until the moment it's not, <laughs> and then it's no fun ever again. I feel like running through soft sand is just never fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> snow over sand. I think every day, like sand is hard. I think it's much harder than even like a ton of snow. I think like, yeah. Especially like if you mix it with a hill too. That's a, that's another beast. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then, um, just one last one, but obviously you mentioned, you know, maybe don't come to Florida for a race, like in June, you know, <laughs> but they also do say that like heat is the poor man's altitude. So how do you feel about like that extreme heat and humidity in the summer? Are we going to catch you on Strava doing any like 1 PM runs in July? Oh yeah. I, st I still do that. I still do those things. I think that mm -hmm. you definitely need to, you know, work up a tolerance and do 
with heat training. Um, but I'll, I still definitely train through the heat of the summer. Absolutely. Um, there's a, a race called the Pinellas Trail Challenge that's run Labor Day weekend every year. Um, and it's still super hot in September down here. Um, but in order to prepare for that race, you have no choice but to, you know, do your heat training and train through the summer. So, I mean, if for someone coming down here and maybe, you know, maybe running at 1 p.m. for the first time in the heat of the summer, maybe take it easy, go for like a mile or something and like work your way up a little bit. But yeah. For those of you that know, personally, I love one mile runs and I also love running in the heat. Like I love, you know, Charlotte, you know, I was there 90 degree days, like no issues with it. Uh, what are your, some of your tips for uh, dealing with the heat, humidity and kind of everything that uh, those hot days in Florida give you? My secret is an ice bandana. So like the one on my head, I'll fill it up with ice and tie it around my neck and good to go. So that that's the that's what's really worked for me. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people can take that no matter where they are in the country or whatnot. Yeah. You see, see, you see that at a couple of different races. Uh, Cam, I think you had something here. Um, nothing other than like just going to our, uh, our quick questions that we always end the show with Wesley. Um, but we can go ahead and start those now. And so Katie, what's one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? I'm a pretty simple girl. So some water and potato chips. All right. And do you have any, uh, any pre-race rituals? Oh yeah. Uh, eat a bagel with peanut butter, drink a cup of coffee and use the porta potty. <laughs> That's I think One, use two, the porta potty is everybody's pre-race <laughs> yeah. ritual. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few times at least usually. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then do you have any post-race cheat meals or like big indulgences that you do? Yeah. Lately it's been a uh, pizza, like a big wood-fired pizza with pickles on top. That's been, that's been the go-to recently. Um, okay. Can't say I've ever I was, had, I had, I was in like a burger mm -hmm. kick. I don't eat, mm -hmm. um, veggie burgers before I don't eat meat. So like a nice big, like impossible burger. That was, that's another one. French fries. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I, I don't think I've ever had pickles on pizza, so I don't quite know what to it. make of that, but I'll, you gotta I'll give take it a your try. word for it. <laughs> we'll see what I'm craving after it the Backyard works. Ultra in yeah. March. <laughs> hey, by the time you finish cam, like at 6 p.m. at night, you know, there'll definitely still be a pizza place open for you, so don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> wow, you really just, you really had to come at me right now. <laughs> um but yeah, Katie, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball did, what would yours be? Probably something from the, the Beyonce live homecoming album. I don't know what it is about that album, but the whole thing just gets me hype. And I think that it's just, you know, a beautiful masterpiece. Is there a song in particular that we can add to our uh, Spotify? No, you got to just do the whole thing. Like add the whole, the whole playlist. You know, that's the fair whole thing is a vibe, you know, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. I pick just one. Mm -hmm. No, we'll, we'll have to do that. Like I said, Tanner <laughs> Lee has added the entire Smokey and the, ba the band <laughs> soundtrack. So 
Ken, do you have um, any uh, bars you want to give us from that album? I think you were practicing even before the show that you said you're going to karaoke a couple bars for us. I I don't even think I've ever heard that album. Hopefully that gets me in hot water with no one. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, um, this is our last one and our favorite uh, of these all quick questions, Katie. If you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, we're going to say that they're going to run with you, keep a nice conversational pace, run wherever you want. Who would it be? I think my answer is going to be a little boring because, you know, it's someone that is alive right now and, you know, is a runner, but, um, Courtney DeWalter, um, she has been a huge inspiration for me and is one of the main reasons that I got into ultra running. You know, I've watched a few documentaries about her and, you know, how she trains and her mindset and just, you know, her vibe when she runs. And that's been, you know, a huge inspiration for me. And, you know, I try to, take that into my running and things like that. Um, but sharing the trail with her and, you know, sharing a conversation with her would be pretty cool. Definitely. All right. And then are there, um, any sponsors that you'd like to plug now or anybody that you want to say thank you to in general? (laughs) I'm a big fan of, uh, squirrels, not butter. I'm wearing the hoodie. Um, I think first and foremost, my fiance, Lauren, because I wouldn't do half these races without her help. You know, she's the most amazing crew captain and always knows exactly what I need, even if I don't even know that I need it. And, you know, she's so supportive and no matter what, like when I tell her I want to, you know, do these hundreds, it's not even a question like she's there, you know, she has no problem with it. And like having that support and that amazing of a partner has been, you know, so huge. So definitely thanks to Lauren. Um, it's really it, you know, I'm not sponsored. (laughs) I don't know if I ever will be, but we can keep that hope out there. I can plug a few brands that definitely work for me that, um, you recommend to some people. Of course. But yeah. So living down here in Florida and, you know, working out in the heat, um, salt stick electrolytes, I definitely recommend checking them out. And then spring energy, um, I use those gels through, throughout uh, long haul this year and uh, no stomach issues at all. And they're delicious and they're real food. So definitely those as well. And also thanks to you guys for having me on here. I really appreciate the opportunity to sit down and chat with you guys for an hour or so. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on tonight's episode. You know, I think everyone uh, really enjoyed kind of hearing your experience, the long haul 100 and uh, just kind of learning a little bit about you. So it was awesome. Uh, If you're running the Whispering Pine six hour or the Swamp 100K, uh, make sure you say hi to Katie and uh, yeah, make sure you say hello there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live. Uh, if you have not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. You guys, you guys know the drill by now. Uh, my name is Wesley Harton. Hosting with me tonight was Cam Wrench. Our guest was Katie Rosar. Uh, thank you guys so much and have a great night. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. 
If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Resident Nation. Oh,